Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I am Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. We've got another another week under our belts. However, this week has hope because we found out our kids are going back to in-person schooling in a couple of weeks. So Jason and I... Cue the hallelujah chorus. <laughs> Cue it. We are stoked. This whole week, I was like, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it was the best news <laughs> that we've gotten in a long time. And I mean, it's it's not just that we love our kids and we spend a lot of time with them. Um, but I also think they're, they're really having trouble being at home. It just hasn't been um, a really good couple of weeks for them. And so... I think it I think they it'll it'll be something that they really want to going back. So that is a good thing in our household this week, especially since I actually tallied up um, the number of students that I'm teaching just this fall semester. And it's 109, 109 different students. And so when you teach English, that's a lot of papers to grade. Yeah. And a lot of the work from my work is starting to come due now. So it's time to get these kids on out of here. <laughs> right. So no zany banter, just um, a lot of celebration. Just celebration and partying. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. right. So I guess we'll talk about Kickstarter news. And I have got a variety of themes, which I am really excited about. Um, the first one I want to talk about is just a little card game. And it's called Hawker Life. Like, H-A-W-K-E-R. And um, it's based out of Singapore because it's about opening like hawker, like food market stalls. So you're playing this card game. If you got like, I think three or four players and you have to have three players to play, which is kind of a downside to me for this game. But it's just a really simple little card game. You each get um, an, like for three to four players, you get five stalls out in front of you. And they're different types of stalls, like a noodle stall or um, and they're all kind of Singaporean-based foods. And so in order to open the stall, you have to have the cards that are the ingredients to whatever you're making in that stall. And so on your turn, you've got a limited number of actions. So you can draw more cards. You can place cards in your stalls. I think you have to open your stalls in order, in a certain order, because um, when they're dealt to you, you have to keep that order and you have to use an action to actually move them around. Um I don't think you would like this game because there are some mean cards where you can like steal an ingredient from someone. Um, there's ones like there's some that will like upgrades on your stalls where like if you have the um, cleanest like an A plus clean rating, you get an extra move for the turn or you can get um, like you can protect some of your ingredients for being stolen. So it's just like a fun little quick card game where you're trying to be the first person to open all of your food stalls. So that is Hawker Life. There's only two days left. Um, so if you're interested in a little quick card game, check it out. And the price is between 15 and $17. Like there's some early bird slots that are like only 15 bucks. And then there's a few slots left at $16, and then, like, the regular price is $17. So for just a card game, I feel like $17 isn't too bad. And it's kind of a fun, um, cute artwork, like, new kind of theme. So that's Hawker Life. All right, so a couple thoughts. One, I guess I didn't know what a hawker was. So food stalls. Someone who sells. Like, it doesn't have to be food stalls. Uh, okay. Like, okay. hawkers so are that, people so on the street like, hey, hey, you know, $5 roses or whatever. Right. So that brings me to my second point as I was thinking of the hawker. From Tommy, played by Elton John, you know, pinball wizard, that type of deal. 
And then you said it was about food, and I was confused. So I didn't realize that a hawker was somebody who just wheels and deals. Someone who so, sells on the street. And like, and yeah. it's not just like a street seller, but like you're actively kind of like verbally pulling people into your stall by the way you Like you those talk and, people that give out free samples at the Chinese <laughs> restaurant like that? Uh, kind of, but they're usually just getting free samples. Like... <laughs> Hawkers are the people that are like stand outside a store and be like, "Oh, wouldn't you like to have this amazing thing?" Like you just come right in here inside oh, the stand. Yeah, I, I hate those people. Of course you would. I actually. It's like those people at the kiosk in the mall. Yeah, That's a hawker. Kind, yeah, <sighs> kind of. It it does kind of have its origins in like a little bit of an older world kind of. I worked um, as a reenactor at a at like a local festival, like. Um, 1800s festival and one of my friend's older brother he was the hawker at our fruit stand and he stood up on a barrel and was like yelling out our wares and like trying to attract people to come to buy from us so that's like the traditional view of a hawker so interesting yeah all right well i'll just think elton john pinball wizard but now we can move on great uh the next one um my i don't know almost ever present fickle favorite mike picorny sent me this one called night parade and it also it has a, like a subtitle, and I did not write it down because apparently I... Isn't that a book? Um, that's called The Night Circus. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Which I was thinking maybe it would be that because I really love that, but it's it's not. Um, okay. <laughs> but that's cool. That's cool. It doesn't have to be. Um, okay, it's Night Parade of 100 Yokai is the full name of it. So it has... It's um, origins in like kind of Japanese mythology. You're trying to raise an army of supernatural beings to haunt the islands of Japan. I read how to play this game. I don't know how to play this game. <laughs> um, it says, Whoa. yes, it says it's an asymmetrical engine builder. So I do know like you pick like kind of, a, it's almost like a faction that it has, you have player powers. And when you pick your cute little faction, you get these adorable little shaped meeples, which of course are the best, um, which is why I think Mike sent me this game to begin with. Um, it's the artwork is really beautiful and cute. And I know then you kind of, they call, you make a night parade, which is kind of an engine of different types of cards. And you choose one of your engines to run um, when you are like taking your turn. Um, and then if you get, then you're like placing your little people on these islands. And if you get enough, it turns the island sacred and you put a Tory gate there, which is also an adorably awesome shaped meeple. And I see they have stacked them in some of the pictures, which of course that's what you do with wooden shaped meeples. You stack them and play with them. Um, I, I, I don't really understand how you win. You have to get rid of all your Tories. Um, I'm not sure. It seems like it'd be interesting. I love the idea of engine builder. I love when you have player powers. The artwork is adorable, adorable, freaking adorable. And it's Japanese themed. So pretty much everything I love. So if you're interested in trying to figure it out more than me, I did not watch a playthrough video. Um, but there are 12 days left on that Kickstarter and it's $50 because there are a, but well, it's there a butt ton of these individually shaped meatballs. There are like 75 painted meatballs, 50 tokens and a, over a hundred cards. So I believe that's why one of the reasons why it's so expensive, but the meatballs are so cute. So that's night parade. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds cool. I'm going to have to see how it plays because I like the theme. I think the theme is interesting. But I just, 
If it's that tricky to play, I don't know, that that gives me pause. I, I think it's just because maybe I don't have a full understanding of the rules and I just read kind of their summary some you know, their summary versions. Oh, and yeah, it, it just true. wasn't working for me. But it does look interesting. And it looks like... It is adorable. It is really Yeah, adorable. and it doesn't look like you're doing mean things to other people. You're just kind of building your own and doing your own thing. And so I, I like that that possibility. All right, I'm in. Okay. I'm in. Cool. All right, and my last one, totally different theme, also a card-based game. And it's called Lucky Luau. And in Lucky Luau, there's just like a pile. And I mean a literal pile of cards face down in the middle. And what you are doing, each person has like a certain starting kind of card for their character, which is cool because I think it gives you a special power. You are going to pick a card up off the pile and look at it. And they're all flowers. Um, I, I think there might be, there's a few other kinds of things that you can pull out of there. But you are trying to string a lay together. And each of these flowers has a different power. Like you can get... Um, extra points for having the same color of flowers next to each other or you want certain flowers by each other to get these extra scoring things there are spacers that you can kind of strategically use to put if you draw a card that you don't want um and so you don't want to lay a flower that you don't want next to it because you're you can only build from left to right you can't like go back unless you put like a spacer or something there to replace um you there's like a knife that you can use to cut off like one single card um, on your lay if you get like a fishing hook to be like the exact center item on your lay, you get big points. Um, and then there's also these other like scoring cards that give you extra points for if you like don't use a certain type of flower in your lay or if you construct it a certain way. So you pick up a card, you look at it, do you keep it, you toss it back or you put it on your on your lay. And if you toss it back, it stays face up. So then someone else can see what they're picking I think it looks really cool and it's like easy to play. But yet I love those games where you're like, it reminds me in some ways of like what you're doing in Santa Monica or other games like that, where it's like, okay, how can I get the best combo of items together that are like making bonuses and scoring off of each other and working with these score end of game scoring cards. I love that kind of thing. So there's 13 days left. It also has really pretty artwork and it's only 15 bucks because it's just a card game. That's Lucky Luau. It sounds interesting. Yeah, I'll need to check that one out. I know. I think it would be, it's fun. I like those kind of games where you're trying to like make the best like tableau or whatever in front of you and hit all these different kinds of scoring conditions in as many ways as possible. I really dig that. So that's Lucky Luau. And that is all the news I have for this week. All right, let's talk about a couple games we played. So this week, we're only going to talk about two. Normally with three, but... But did we mention that our kids are at home for school and I have 109 yes, students? you're right. Life happens, so we're doing two. Um, so the first one we want to talk about is a rollover from actually when we were on vacation. It was one we didn't get to talk about. And it is from the Italians. The Italians are amazing. And this game is called Tekenu or Tekenu. I don't know how to say it, but it's Tekenu Obelisk of the Sun. And this is a, a dice drafting game. You're drafting dice from certain areas. There's six different areas around the obelisk. And you're trying to take the action based on the color of the die, where it came from, and which section of the die or which section of the obelisk that it came from. There's going to be pure dice and there's going to be tainted dice. You're trying to take an equal-ish number of pure and tainted dice because it's going to help get, you know, help you not lose points and determine turn order. And you're also going to determine if you want to use the die for resources, because you're going to need resources to take other actions or to take the actual God action of the section where you are. You're going to be building temples. 
You're going to be building statues. You're going to be earning favor with all the gods to get in-game goals, all that type of stuff. So what did you think about this one before I say what I thought? I actually like the gameplay. The thing, and this is going to be shocking to so many people. I think the theme was stupid and it would have been better if it had just been like a plain board without all these like added theme names for different places and this pure and diluted crap that just makes it more confusing to learn honestly i, I don't disagree with that I, and I think that obelisk is a pain in the butt to look around to <laughs> it is kind of but it's neat to turn it i i get that when you're changing but you could have done it like a wheel or something and then instead of like oh in the shadow and the pure like okay if you hit this space it's this if it's this color it's this like and then you're like okay so what is a temple and what is the prayer thing and what is the um i just think that yeah the the, pl- the player aid card sucked too it really did yeah um but once I learned how to play it and it made sense, like once I got all that down, I was like, oh, OK, I like this game. Like and the sad thing is we played it not too long after we played Alma Mater. And I actually was way more engaged in Tekenu than I was in Alma Mater, which was kind of sad for me because I had such high hopes for Alma Mater. And I love that theme. And I don't super care about this theme. I don't dislike Egyptian theme, but I thought it it actually, the application of it, the way they inserted it into everything made it actually harder to play. And there were some spots I'm like, I don't even, you don't, why would you even go there? There is a lot to keep up with, but I, I still found it enjoyable. And I would definitely like to play this again at like a higher player count. Yeah, I agree. This game to me is better than Alma Mater 100%. Uh, I feel like I actually got to accomplish more throughout the game. I took, I did more things that were enjoyable. I didn't always feel like I was scraping the barrel for, um, resources i always had anything i could do and i don't know the theme take it or leave it whatever but yeah it just it was it was definitely more fulfilling than alma mater and i, I did enjoy this one quite a bit well, i lost because i ignored the in-game stuff but that's per usual yeah and i won because i didn't ignore the in-game stuff because i was having trouble kind of i felt like i wasn't getting anywhere during the game so i was like okay where am i gonna build up some more points but i felt since it's a dice play, like dice drafting kind of game, I feel like that main mechanism was really satisfactory in this, um, where I didn't feel like it was. Was there dice placement in Alma Mater? No. Uh, no, that was worker okay, placement. Worker placement. But I, again, I felt like frustrated by my worker placement because I felt like I wasn't doing anything. But I felt like the dice drafting here was key and it was satisfying you could have some really great turns you could make some headway you could go some different ways which you and i did and again that that is what i really like about a game so yeah i liked it i think i was good i played again for sure yeah there's definitely yeah like you said there's definitely more than one way to win this one i feel like an alma mater you're kind of locked into move up to tech track get students get teachers that's what you have to do every game like there's six different things you could do in to Kinu and still maybe pull out a victory. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say that's a a positive. I don't know if it's like two thumbs up, but definitely like at least one thumb. Yeah, I would give it a thumb up. It's, it's a two thumber. Okay. All right. The next game we played and the final one we'll talk about is one that I've done a video for, but I wanted Katie to play it. And it is from Artana and Genius Games. And it's called On the Origin of Species. So if you know anything about this, that's the name of Charles Darwin's book. This game is about um, traveling around the Galapagos and discovering different species. 
to try and score the most points, but ultimately it's kind of mimicking the way that Darwin traveled around the islands. So at certain points you're going to trigger some scoring, and once the boat hits its final destination at the end of the game. This is a little, it's kind of like an air, I don't even know how to explain what you do in it, but you're kind of putting, you're putting cubes down on a couple different species tiles to eventually take them off so those species will help you produce new species on the island. It's it's kind of interesting. I don't know if a ton of games do that, but that's kind of what it is. So what do you think about this one? Um, there were some things I really liked about it. I, I like the novelty of placing cubes down on different places in order to determine like, okay, I'm collecting this kind of resource. Um, I, th- I actually like the theme. I mean, it wasn't, you know, super integral, but I thought it did a nice job of working it into how you played. <laughs> Sadly, and probably not unsurprisingly, my favorite part was the wooden shaped boat meeple that you got to move around. I really liked moving it around. And I really... And the turtle. And the turtle that was the point marker. Um, I wanted to move them around more and play with them, but it would have kind of messed up where we were in the game. So I refrained. Um, It would have been bad. (laughs) But I do like that. I wish I had like... I wish my little cubes that I put on things to get resources could have been turtles or something. But... um, yeah, and artistically, it is really beautiful. It has like that old sketchbook kind of look like Darwin's journals, which I think is really unique and creative. The gameplay is pretty simple, um, but like the... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a family weight game for sure. Yeah, it was super light, but I mean, I'd play it again. I thought it was nice. Yeah, I'd like to play it at more than two because I think it would be more fulfilling. There would be more competing for some of the species tiles probably be more tiles coming out i don't don't know i just think it would be more interesting at two probably that's possible yeah so i do like this you can see my thoughts in the video if anybody cares but so that was our games that we played to can you and on the origin of species okay so for this week's podcast we wanted to get into something that we really like And yes, I mean, we really like games, but Jason and I have other passions that we love. And for those of you that don't know, I am an English professor at a um, couple different colleges. I have a background in literature, specifically Renaissance literature. So I love books of all types. And so um, Jason, he plays in a band. He has played guitar for... 20 plus years Uh, 20 yeah 21 years um loves music so we want to do a top three list of games that are based on our particular passions mine being literature and jason's being music so babe what's your first game that is based on your passion of music all right so i it might have to be fair i don't have as many that i could have chosen from because I haven't played a ton of games that are based on music. But I do have these three and I have like five honorable mentions. So the first one I'm going to do is actually two. Because they're kind of re-implementations of each other. And that is Thrash and Roll and or Thrashing Dice. So Thrash and Roll is the first print. Thrashing Dice is the more streamlined second edition. And this is a game about um, you're taking on the role of a Polish metal band because I love metal. <laughs> That's the best music. It's awesome. Wow. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to become the best local band around or regional band, whatever, to go on tour with the biggest band in Poland named Turbo. So you're doing this through rolling dice. You're going to play some dice. You're going to record albums. You're going to record singles. You're going to go to the radio station and promote your album. 
You may have to go buy some new equipment. You might have to go take some lessons because sometimes you're you're just not up to par where you need to be. <laughs> but sometimes you're going to have some scandals. People are going to catch you in the act of doing something funky, and it's going to give you negative points at the end of the game. You know, rock stars do crazy things. So this the reason I put this on here is, one, the theme is amazing, metal bands, and two, the game is actually really good. So it's a, a really good uh, dice placement game, has awesome artwork. It's not you know, the normal tan and beige. It's actually cool artwork with colors and awesome little rock and roll guys. So my number three or number one, whatever you want to put it, thrash and roll and or thrashing dice. Thrash and roll is a good game. I don't, I don't know how like super thematic it is, but it is really fun. And I like that you kind of think about all the different things that a band does. Cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not, it doesn't make me feel like I am in, you know, in a rock band while I'm playing, but it's just awesome that it is the theme. Yeah, it's pasted on. It could be anything, but I like it. So my first one is based that is based on literature is a very broad, I guess, piece <laughs> of literature, and it's more like an author. And so my very first game that I wanted to talk about is Shakespeare. I obviously love Shakespeare. Oh my goodness, I love all of his plays. Well. Some of the histories are a little rough, but I I do. I love Shakespearean sonnets. I love Shakespeare. Part of my focus in grad school is Shakespeare. So this game just held Shakespeare. While it doesn't super delve into his literary work, you're staging his plays and you are getting your actors. You're getting your actors then into their costumes. You're setting up the stage and all the scenery on it. You're making sure you've got the people backstage that are going to help you out, get all these things together for you. You're going to make sure the queen um, smiles favorably at you and your performance. Um, it's so, it's so good. It's so underrated. It's also really great with the backstage, um, expansion, which is just a simple little expansion, but adds like a whole nother level of things you can do, which makes it really fun. The artwork is, um, less than desirable. (laughs) I would love to have like a gorgeous Eagle Griffin souped up version, but Jace would never buy it anyway. So there's no point in that. I guess I don't really hate the artwork. I thought it was fine. It's it's sufficient. Sufficient is not what I'd hope for Shakespeare. But the game well, is true. really fun yeah. to play. It's some great worker placement elements. You like bid on how many actions you're going to take and then you want to use those efficiently and then you can't take at least like you can't take some of the same actions again the next turn. So you're planning, um you're you're fulfilling all these different things it's so great so my first game about literature is shakespeare yeah this is a really good game and it feels different than most other euro games out there like i don't know if i've played another game kind of like this one so it has a cool theme and it's a different game which that's double points for me yeah all right so the next game i want to talk about we're going to veer away from heavy metal and we're going to go back to the basics of some classical some mozart some wagner some Bach, <laughs> and ah, this Bach. game is called <laughs> Symphony Number no. Nine. So yes, this game has a theme about music, but this is just an auction and bidding game. It's an economic game that just happens to um, have a an orchestral composer. Theme. Yes, posers plastered on it. So what you're trying to do in this is you are trying to acquire different color of cubes which are going to represent one of the i think there's five or six different musicians and as you take these cubes it's going to either make the musician either more popular which means more valuable 
or less popular, which means their cubes are going to be worth less money. Then what you're trying to do is you're trying to bid a certain amount of money that's going to make those certain musicians or those color cubes fall within a certain value on the concert track to give them extra points. So you're kind of doing this bidding thing all at the same time. And it's going to depend what everybody bids to how valuable certain cubes are. So you know what you want and you can see what everybody else wants. So you're kind of like doing this like blind bid tug of war thing to get what you want and not what everybody else wants. It's interesting. It's different. It's hard to teach so we don't play it a ton. But I enjoy it and it has a really cool theme that's different. That's not in a ton of games. So that's why I wanted to put it on this list. That is Symphony Number 9. I love the theme. I hate this game. Yeah, you're not a fan. But I th- I think it's because I don't like stock markety auction market kind of games. So I would like to take this game, this theme of classical composers and put it on a different game that's better. And then I would definitely want to play it. I don't hate it. it. It is really dry. And I was expecting something else when I got it. I wasn't expecting a dry economic game. <laughs> So, I mean, that that kind of does, you know, that tempered my expectations a little bit, I think. All right. So my second game based on literature should come as no surprise. And I'm sure I've talked about it before because it combines both literature that I love and um, deck building, which is a mechanic that I love. And that is Harry Potter. That is Harry. Harry Potter. Harry, Harry Potter. Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts. I think that's what it call, it's called, right? Is it Battle for Hogwarts or Hogwarts Battle? Yeah, Hogwarts Battle. I'm never sure. I just call it Harry Potter Battle for Hogwarts. Yeah, I did it too. Harry Potter. See? That is really hard It's when to you say. put Harry Potter next to Battle. Maybe it should be Harry Potter <laughs> Hogwarts Battle. Maybe if I did that, I wouldn't say it's stupid. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Um, now, I realize for those of you, um, you know, staunch rule followers, that the stills are from the movies on the cards. I get it. Okay step off however the theme of harry potter is so um imbued in the gameplay that i feel like it gives great credit to the books uh this game is so fun you're playing as now we actually got the expansion recently which i can't wait to try you can play five players um five different members of harry and his friends fighting against the forces of evil and voldemort um collecting allies collecting um helpful spells and you know magical items to defeat them it's really fun um it's a great deck builder i love the interaction between the cards i love all the little like things that they pick up on that are really key to the story and they put it in this game so it's so good so my second one is harry potter hogwarts battle yeah this is a really good game um we've played it with lots of people who aren't gamers too and it still goes over pretty well because most people like harry potter and two deck building cooperatively is pretty easy to teach and it's fun so yeah this is a really good game i can't wait to play the charms and potions because it adds a whole bunch of new stuff which is pretty exciting yeah i'm excited for that all right so speaking of deck builders we're gonna go we're gonna move on from classical to the next logical spot and that is going to be hip-hop or rap or horror core however you want to call it and is that a word? This is, is that a, like a I, genre? I, that's what ICP calls themselves. So they made up I a think. genre for know. themselves. That's a little yes, because they're they're insane clowns. Okay, oh, they can do what they gosh. want. Okay, but this game is ca- I almost said this song. This game is called Into the Echo Side, the Insane Clown Posse Deck Building Game 
And we've talked about this game ad nauseum uh, a lot. Uh, it's a deck building game means, where honey. I know I like to be extra redundant. Okay. So this is a deck building game. Uh, you're trying to just score the most. Fl- uh, what is it? Um, I can't remember what they're called now. What are you talking about? The points. Ghetto points. Oh, I have no idea. Points. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You're trying to score the most points, and you're doing that by normal, like, ascension, where you're going to use your cards in your hand to recruit more cards from the middle. At a certain points, you're going to have enough um, buying power to get the big dogs. Like, you can get ICP, um, Twisted, all their, like, posse to come into your hand. They're super powerful cards, and the game's going to end once so many of those cards are gone. It's standard deck builder. It does a cool little dice rolling thing where you can do some random stuff based on the value of the die for certain cards you play i love it uh, i used to be a big uh juggalo hatchet man fan juggalo and i still may a little bit but so this gives me kind of some nostalgia feels playing this game so I, that helps me like it more i think but outside of that you have no um you could care less about icp and you still enjoy the game so there is that so that's into the echo side the icp deck building game my number one it's not just that i couldn't I, I could care less about it. Like, I couldn't care less about it. Um, let me get that phrase right. I couldn't care less about it. It's that I avidly think they are stupid and their songs are terrible. And I grew up with a lot of juggalos who had weird romantic interests in me. And I was like, I was a total prep and it didn't make any sense. Um, you clearly never listened to their songs because it makes perfect sense. For them to like preppy girls? Yeah, you need to listen to some tunes. I, you need to spin some insane I clowns. I don't want to. However, I do really like this game because <laughs> it, it is actually a good deck builder behind it. Like the artwork is terrible because it's all their stupid clown crap um, and the names are dumb and whatever. But the synergy between the cards and the different um, types of like, they're not, are they teams? Not teams. Cruise, crews that you work with or whatever um that just works really well as a deck builder and it's really easy to like build up a good deck and then start running through it and you can have like a 10 minute turn where you're just laying down cards and pulling stuff and rolling dice and getting flavor and I, that's really cool like it's a good game despite being absolutely based on a dumb thing and as an aside if anybody knows where i can find the expansion please hit me up because this thing is like non-existent and I now I need to have it. You found it somewhere, but it was like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like three hundred bucks. I don't need it that bad, <laughs> but I, I would like it. Yes. Oh boy, yeah. So moving on from insane clowns, I guess we're going to another insane kind of basis. And my final game that I want to talk about based on literature is Mask of the Red Death, based on Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Mask of the Red Death, of the same name. Oh my gosh. The short story is awesome and full of like thinky bits and symbolism. And the game lives up to that name. It is hard. I mean, this game is hard, but not in a way that makes you hate it, in a way that makes you want it more. So you are guests at this party thrown by the prince and you're moving around in these different colored rooms and you are trying to find out when death is going to show up the red death is going to show up and where because you don't want to be there when he shows up or you're dead so you are in a deduction style going around checking what other people know looking at the deck that gives kind of the programming for what um death is going to do and then you i feel like 
we have been kind of playing with notes, which I think is important. They don't tell you to do that, but I think you should. Um, so that you can then pro and then that's like the whole first phase is just this moving around and using this deck of cards you have to find out the stuff. Then you hit a second phase where you program all of your movements as the clock is striking midnight so that you can make sure that you're moving between rooms and not in the same room as death. It is hard, but it is so worth it. Uh, this game is awesome. I love Poe. He's as creepy as I can get in reading books because I'm scared of everything. But this game is so good. And now is a really good time to pull that baby out. I mean, we're entering into October. Now it's harvest and Halloween time. And I think this is a good choice for that. So my last game is Mask of the Red Death. Have you won this game? I mean, by winning, have you stayed alive the whole yes, time? on more than one occasion. Dang. But one time I lost because Brandon was more popular than me and I was really annoyed. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, that is that is true. I think I die pretty much like the first room every time <laughs> because, yeah, I, I'm terrible at this game. It is fun, but I'm so bad. So bad. So those are our games. We have some honorable mentions because being our passion, we have tried to find games that actually suit the things that we love. So, babe, what are some of your... Um, Honorable mentions for music games. All right. So I have Guar versus Time, which is a deck builder with Guar, one of, you know, classic bands. They wear ridiculous costumes. Uh, it's not as good as ICP. That's why I didn't make the list, but still a cool game. I have Zero One One, which I haven't played yet, but I have it on my shelf. And this is based on a Swedish, like, uh, polyphonic metal band called Therian. And it's a cooperative game. You're trying to find the... Um, organ of eternity or something it's it's crazy theme but about music so i put it on the list gods of metal the chosen is a deck builder where you're taking on the role of a a fake band and you're trying to kill the demons by playing songs uh which is pretty neat it's a really cool theme the game's not that great but the theme is awesome lords of rock which is a a little take that game that we backed on kickstarter one time where you're trying to just not be the you know not get knocked out vinyl about collecting records so not necessarily about a band or a style of music, but it does have to do with music, so that's why it's on here. Upstaged is a, a singing competition, kind of like an American Idol type game where you're trying to get certain types of singers to be on your your team to score the most points. And, which if I would have remembered this, this might actually made my, my actual top three. That is On Tour, uh, which is a really good roll and write about planning a cross-country tour for either a country, rock, jazz, or I think hip-hop group. So yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Yeah, I really like On Tour. That's why I was like, oh, hey, what about that? It wasn't on the shelf because Brandon has it. So when I was looking at everything, it just didn't pop into my head. Brandon, you could have made that miss out of the episode. (laughs) Shame on you. Um, I have a bunch of honorable mentions because, oh my gosh, there's so much space in literature and I love it. Uh, There are two that I haven't played that I desperately want to play. One is Scarlet Pimpernel, and I've wanted this game so bad since I saw it at Origins probably two years ago, maybe three years ago now, but it's outrageously expensive, and we all know that Jason's a cheapo and won't buy me what I want. So Yeah, that's even going around all on the Riveted, too. I mean, come on, guys. Cut me some slack here. Y'all know the truth. Y'all know the truth. (laughs) So that's what's happening there. Um... So that one I haven't played. And also I haven't played A Study in Emerald, which I came out with a second edition that I've heard is really good. Um, Marty Wallace. And it's Marty Wallace. The artwork is 
actually gorgeous and intriguing. And while I'm not like an uber HP Lovecraft fan, like I feel like reading about what the game is like seems really interesting. So those two I'm totally interested in. Ones that I have played, two based on Jane Austen works, Obsession, just got that game. It is like quickly becoming something I love. Marrying Miss... Is it actually based on the book though? Yeah. What are you talking about? Is Obsession actually based on Jane well, Austen? Well, it's, it's based on like the Regency, like her novels. I got you. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Why, why do you have to like jump on me? She doesn't have a novel called Obsession, but it's... It's that idea of Regency courtship. It's a game of manners and inviting people and status. And so I would say that it it is based on that. Uh, Marrying Mr. Darcy is pretty directly based on Pride and Prejudice. And I adore it. It's a fun little card game that has gotten all kinds of people into it for something that is about, again, stuffy Regency dating and manners. Um, Obviously, the one I probably should have been number one on my list, but we talk about it all the time is consulting detective i love consulting detective it is the best game it is based on sherlock holmes i love sherlock holmes i love deduction consulting detective is awesome but of course i talk about it tout le temps so i decided to leave it off my list Council Verona is based on Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare. Fun little kind of social deduction type game with a really fun twist. Nice little light filler game. Way fun. Dark Tales. Um, there's a series of them and they're all based on fairy tales. So you've got one based on Little Mermaid and Little Red Riding Hood and Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. No. Yes. Yes. Uh, Snow White. Did you say Snow White? I didn't White? say Snow White. So maybe Snow White, not Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. So... Those are just also fun, quick card games. Set collection. And they're gorgeous. They, the artwork is gorgeous. You're doing set collection. You're making kind of um, these great pairs and playing cards off of each other. Really good stuff. Ancient Terrible Things. Again, Lovecrafty and all the blah, 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 Cthulhu stuff. Um, Robinson Crusoe, while it beats you up badly. Still a fun game. Home, Sherlock and Mycroft, which is, again, another Sherlock Holmes-based game. However, the theme is very thin. But it still is a fun, light game that Jason and I played the crap out of. And one I didn't completely know, but I had wondered. And so I had to check it out. Mystery of the Abbey. Actually, the designer of Mystery of the Abbey confirmed that it is kind of, it is based in Umberto Eco's um, story, The Name of the Rose, which is about a murder that takes place at a medieval abbey. So that's another. I did know that, surprisingly. You did? I did know that, yeah. How did you know that? Because I'm smart sometimes. Honey, okay? how did you know that, really? <laughs> I think uh, Rado said it or somebody said it. But hey, let me have this, okay? I knew You're something. Right. Just like like last night, I knew the final Jeopardy question, the answer to it, and um, like Chattahoochee or something. No, it was it was Gitchigumi. Oh yeah, Gitchigumi. Chattahoochee. Yeah. No Alan Jackson. <laughs> oh my gosh! But none of the contestants knew it, and I knew it. So I did a victory lap around their house. So sure, you knew about. Mr. The Abbey being based on Umberto Eco's story, The Name of the Rose. Which I couldn't have told you who wrote it, but I knew it was named on a book that had something to do with the word rose in it. I have not read that. So I think I need that's going to be my next thing is to look it up. So those are our passions. Now, you may have different ones. I know there are lots of you members out in the Riveted that are interested in all kinds of things. Birds and firefighting and sports and 
So let us know what is your passion and what games do you have that are themed that? Or maybe you're like us. You love music. You love literature. Did I miss something? Did Jason miss some? I'm sure we did. <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty more out there. And if you know some, gosh, we'd love to try it. If you can get your hands in Scarlet Pimpernel, that would be even better. <laughs> or the expansion to Insane Clown Posse deck building game. Definitely that one. Definitely that <laughs> but one. But we would love to hear about it. So find us on social media. On Facebook, we are always on the Facebook page. Um, join our group, hashtag the riveted. Again, like I keep, I almost want to knock on wood every time I say it, but great people, always focused on games, encouraging, positive, none of the negativity and crap that's out there on Facebook creeps into the Riveted. It's awesome. So come join that. Find us on Twitter, on um, Instagram, and YouTube. We are definitely um, making videos. I'm trying to be better about getting in them. I'm going to work on that. Um, But Jason is always putting out new content. So definitely like and subscribe to our videos there. And... Uh, go check out our friends at Board Game Rundown. Tim and Bob are all right. Dan, jury's still out. Uh, but they do some cool videos, and they have some interesting takes on games. And also, next week starts the most pretty mediocre, pretty okay top 100 of all time. Oh, that's right. So we've got about 12 weeks left in the year. So yep. we want to use 10 of those to talk about our top 100. We'll take a break for Halloween because it's one of my favorite holidays. Talk about some Halloween games and also for Christmas because hello, that's another great um, holiday that we need to celebrate in gaming. So we'll take a break from the top 100 for those two episodes, but 10 episodes full of our top 100 games. You can see what cracks that top 100 and surprisingly, Jason and I do have a pretty varied content to our top 100. Although there are a few uh, recurrences in the top 10, I'm sure. I mean, spoiler right now, ICP deck building game, number one. I mean, that will not, I think that goes without That will saying. not be my number one. So there you go. Now you know. <laughs> Jason and I do, have not, do not have the same number one game. Katie's is Guar versus Kai. <laughs> How did you know? Dang it. <laughs> uh. I think... That's enough for us tonight. I'm Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.